Good evening, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein. With me, as always, is the ravishing Karen Randazzo. Is it too much to hope for a rat suicide? And the always ridiculous Chris Randazzo. Nothing can happen until you swing the bat. <laughs> we here at this week's episode talk television, so sometimes we do get a little spoilery. Um, we give you fair warning. This week we'll be discussing the most recent episode of Castle, the most recent episode of iZombie. Uh, the, the, I, I guess you can call it an episode of Fooly Cooly. <laughs> yes. And a Batman v Superman that everyone should watch sometime in their life. Uh, Karen, we're going to start with you. Sure thing. Because even though I watched an episode of Fooly Cooly, which is... <laughs> kind of off-putting at times the imagery of from this show haunted me for some reason <laughs> i know what you're talking about it is very weird looking <laughs> and i don't understand it she looked fine yes she looks normal she looks how like she looks in real life i don't believe that anywho <laughs> so um i zombie came back after um I guess a month hiatus, all the CW shows took a little break, which annoyed me no end, because it wasn't long enough to get into another show. Oh, well, but yeah. But <laughs> nothing was on. Um, so, but I'm glad it's back, because it's been fantastic. Um, when last we left, we open up with Blaine, um, da the David <laughs> Anders character. There's not enough people named Blaine in the world. Seriously. And the way you I say mean, that with such disdain. Blaine. You're saying Blaine with such disdain? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, You're both fired. <laughs> uh, so last we saw Blaine, he had been uh, confronted by his dri uh, drug business rival, Mr. Boss. Um, Which, by, way <laughs> by the way, worst yes. name ever <laughs> <laughs> either worst or best i can't decide uh and he's great he's uh eddie jemison who played uh livingston dell in the oceans movie series mm -hmm. um livingston dell boy there are some just good names coming out of us this evening <laughs> <laughs> so uh he found out that blaine was cutting in on his uh drug business and decided to kill him uh slit his throat and buried him in the woods uh, Blaine, along with Major, had not so recently, a while back, received the zombie cure. Ish. Um, so they were no longer zombies. However, uh, Liv's, um, la um, morgue partner, Ravi, has discovered that the cure is wearing off and will eventually turn you back into a zombie and then kill you. Uh, so this conveniently happened right as Blaine was murdered. So he sprung up from his, you know, talk rave. about timing, right? That's right, perfect. <laughs> uh, you know, they, you know, stripped him down to his shorts to, you know, not have any evidence. So he stole a picnic blanket from some people in the woods, and so we open on Blaine riding a city bus in his shorts, wrapped in a picnic blanket, covered in blood and dirt, <laughs> and staring at a bald guy's head like. Hungering after his brains because he can practically see them. <laughs> uh, he shows up at the morgue uh, asking Ravi for brains. Uh, Ravi fills him in on the whole, you know, rezombification and death issue. <laughs> and uh, then sends Blaine on his way after he borrows some clothes and he's like, 
And can you call me an Uber? <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 relationship between the two of them right now is that, like this weird stalemate because of everything that Blaine has going on with that whole little brain business. Exactly. So like. Ravi has to sort of play along with him because if he does die, zombies will take over. It's, it's pretty much the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Blaine is the only one who knows who the zombies are that need to be fed. And if he dies, that information goes with him and then the zombies go hungry and take over. And that's real bad. Well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> so he um, hits while Blaine was missing slash dead uh his employees received a big drug shipment at the at the morgue and uh now is that is that all tainted or is that uh no that's clean the only tainted stuff was is the stuff that uh ravi is using to try and make the cure which they took like half a friggin season to find more of for some reason okay because of reasons because of reasons um so Blaine shows up at the morgue and tells his employees, look, we're going to shut down the drug business for a while because this guy thinks I'm dead and he's dangerous. So let's just, you know, bury our heads in the sand. And meanwhile, he shows up in the borrowed clothes, which are clearly Ravi's extra set of clothes, and, <laughs> and does a fabulous Ravi impersonation. Of like, oh, you know, British British accent, and I'm not going to do it because I can't do it justice, but... It's it was fantastic. entertaining. I'll give you. You are correct in saying that. Um, then we get to see. Then we get to um, Major and Rita slash Gilda. <laughs> She's the girl that works at Max Rager, and she slept with Major when Liv and Major were on a break. Uh, <laughs> when we last left her, um, Liv found out that she was the girl. She didn't know. Um, she is also Liv's roommate. But Liv doesn't know anything anything about her other than she's just her roommate. Then she finds out that this is the girl Major was sleeping with. Um, and she punches her in the face and kicks her out. <laughs> so that's where we left them. Um, Major shows up at uh, the Max Rager office to see his boss, who has more uh, zombie names for him to uh, disappear uh, in whatever way he chooses. Um, Steven Weber keeps getting better and better. He's amazing in this scene. He is on the. He's drinking the new their new formula of um, energy drink, which they're calling Supermax, and he is just like coked out of his mind. <laughs> it's really what it is. It's the best description. It's really amazing. <laughs> he's, uh, he's like asking me how many times I screwed the the, the stewardess, and, yeah. and the major's like, I think that's a a conversation we shouldn't be having. Six, <laughs> six times, save you the awkwardness of asking. <laughs> uh, so Major uh, calls him out on having put this girl, you know, placed her as Liv's roommate to spy on her and uh, asks whether having her sleep with him was part of the plan. And this is where <laughs> we learn that Rita slash Gilda is Duke Clark's daughter. <laughs> oh, we didn't know that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um. He's like, but he's not pissed off about that. So then that's when she comes in with the new list for Major, and uh, Duke Clark sees that she has a black eye, which he assumes that Major gave her, and like, flips the fuck out and tries to kill him. He threw a magic eight ball through a wall. <laughs> <That is it>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, 
So that that was a major highlight. No, no pun intended, actually. Uh, totally uh, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> a major highlight of the episode. Uh, so Liv, the brain of this week is a uh, research scientist, which uh, there's a whole thing about, you know, she worked for a cosmetic company. They think it's some girl who got harmed by the cosmetic she was testing. It was boring. Um, but we eventually find out that the scientist also, after she left the cosmetic company, went to work for Max Rager under an alias. Um, and so Liv decides to go undercover and try and uh, apply for this woman's job to find out more about, like, what she was doing there. And this is when we get Liv in, like, a live cosplay, for lack of a better term. <laughs> that would and be that's, correct. And that's the disturbing imagery that Evan and I were referring to, because you get to see Rose McIver in, like, just... Normal makeup, normal hair, like, I mean, it's a wig. Well, at least they show her putting on a wig. I don't actually know what her real hair looks like, but I'm assuming it looks fairly close to what this woman looks like out of makeup for the show. Uh, and it creeps Ravi the fuck out, which is great. He's like, why is it disturbing that I find this look more more upsetting than your your regular look yeah. she's like you spend too much time around the dead robbie <laughs> when she puts on the glasses and he looks at her and he goes the stuff of nightmares <laughs> <laughs> that i mean that actor that plays robbie is just perfect i love him so much uh so she goes to mass max rager gets almost gets caught but finds out that there's a secret basement and it's not they're really doing a secret basement they know about it <laughs> So it's technically not a secret. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole bit with Duke Clark explaining that, like, all businesses have corporate secrets. And so, you know, we just happen to, you know, do our work on those, that particular stuff in the basement. So it's not a secret basement. It's a whole thing. <laughs> um, but she gets a vision and get, finds out that they're doing zombie research in there and wants to get in there and find out more. Um. Oh, there's a whole other thing with her boyfriend, Drake. Um, she uses the sci- that since the scientist's brain is really good at deducting things, she, like, uses that to deduce, like, what's going on? He's been acting shady. He's hiding from something from me. She eventually figures out that he is working for Mr. Boss. Um, and decides to, like, not see him anymore. Um, but I don't care because <laughs> I just don't care about that character. She does not figure out that he is working for Mr. Boss because he's secretly a police informant. That's a little piece of the puzzle that hasn't come out yet. Uh-huh. Uh, Ravi uh, has finally develops a, a cure that works, Cure 2.0, and uh, <sighs> despite it not being tested, gives it to Blaine because, yeah, as previously stated, he could cause the entire zombie apocalypse. <laughs> uh, Blaine has you know with the risk of death being real has gotten all melancholy (laughs) he picks out a funeral plot he sets in his uh you know writes out his will he leaves his business to his employees um and gives them like instructions in case this cure doesn't work and he dies um (laughs) his one uh employee who is a zombie and has had his voice box damaged so he can't talk he like gives this patch. big yes, his name is Chief. They, <laughs> he gives this big emotional speech about you know how much they mean to him and how you know they should lead their lives and he'll you know he's proud of them and all this stuff. And his response is just he texts a smiley face. 
Uh, so he takes the cure and that's the last we'll see of Blaine this week. But that's not the last, the, the last development of this show this week is from Duclark. <laughs> we get to, we get to peek inside the secret basement, um, where he and his daughter and one of their scientists are, have this zombie that's hopped up on the supermax and like, it can run really fast and it's really aggressive and like... This is, you know, going to be a super amazing weapon. And he, he decides that the smart thing to do is to poke it with, like, a electric cattle prod and piss it off, which causes it to break free of its restraints. Uh, I believe it kills the scientist yes, and the, him and his daughter. Him and his daughter are trying to get away, but she falls because she's running in high heels. And... Uh, <laughs> He just runs for the elevator and lets the doors close while the zombie's closing in on her and she's screaming for him to save her. Uh. And so he gets uh, away. You gotta do like, what you gotta do. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, seriously. Father of the year. Win. Uh, he, he gets away, gets up to his office, locks himself inside, has a drink, and like tries to drown out the, the horror he's just seen when, and we see she's gotten away from the zombie and gotten up to the office, and she's just banging on the door, yelling at him. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the last we get to see is like, whoa, dude. And she, I mean, she, she didn't die, but she's all scratched up, so clearly she's been turned. Yes. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see where she goes from here. I mean, she knows that Major is the person who is, like, in charge of taking out zombies. Um, and she knows, like, a fair bit about them. So I wonder whose team she's going to end up on, because it's clearly not going to be her dad's. Well, you you never know. I mean, once she goes (laughs) mindless. Well, hopefully, hopefully she finds a supplier. (laughs) Um, she either hooks up with Blaine or Liv. I mean, that's what I, that's where I see it going is since she has now done everything to like piss off Liv, she's going to have to go crawling back to her. Right. In order to like basically save her life. Um, and I do, (laughs) I, I'm hoping that eventually we're working towards, uh, Duke Clark turning into a zombie. I think that's going to be the funniest shit. I think he's going to turn. Just by the sheer amount of super Max Rager shit that he's ingesting. That could be true. That could be. It could eventually cause him to turn. But, like, his performance as that character, I just want to see that extra element of zombie added. I think it's going to be hysterical. Yeah. I'm hopefully waiting for it. Now, what's going on with her old roommate? Oh, we haven't seen Paige in a while. Was it Paige? Um, I couldn't remember her name. Like yeah, she just popped she, in out of nowhere. Yeah, she came back. They, she, everybody made up with her. She's fine. She was, um, she was prosecuting a case against uh, Mr. Boss, and uh. then I think some of uh, some of her evidence got. Uh, I think there's some corruption going on in the DA's office. I can't quite remember. But we haven't seen her in a little while. We certainly didn't see her in this episode. Yeah, she did. She, they, they at a yoga. A, a yoga was that? That wasn't this episode. Hmm. I feel like I remember that, but I don't feel like that was in this. Okay, maybe I'm confusing a couple, blending them together. All right. But yeah, 
that's all I got. Very good, very good. Good stuff. Um, all right. Um, I'm gonna go next because you made comment about running in high heels. How it's a bad idea. <laughs> yes, always a bad idea. Unless, Wear practical shoes. Unless you are Kate Beckett, eh. because that woman can run in a pair of heels. Um, okay, fine. <laughs> I am talking about the most recent episode of Castle, and I, I, it's showing that I, it's, we have spoken about Castle at some point in time during the show, during our run here, and I can't remember what we actually discussed, but the reason I'm bringing this one up is because their relationship is, is right there at the point of getting back to exactly where it needs to be. Um. In this episode, the main crux of the story is that there is a murder on a at a police academy, the New York Police Academy. So Kate goes back to her alma mater, and she is a huge celebrity there. She won all the awards and has all the records, and everybody looks up to her, but she has to investigate this, this killing. The actual case itself is really kind of meh. Uh, we do see how badass she actually is, which is always kind of cool. What I like about this is the subplot, because um, I don't know if you guys are caught up, but... For Not even close. Okay. Um, at one point in time, Castle, so I think you said that you they were about to get married was the last that you saw? No, we saw after they came back uh, where he was lost and he started piecing together okay. that he had... No, he still had amnesia, but they were just starting to piece all that business together. All right. Well, that has come to fruition because he recorded a video for himself. He mm. passed Castle, talked to future Castle. And um, the the big bad of this season is, um, I want to say Lockheed, but I don't feel like that. that's, that's a comic book character. <laughs> That's a small floating dragon. Small floating dragon. It's also an aircraft manufacturer, but that's neither here nor there. There, there is some sort of mysterious thing in the background that 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 Beckett has been investigating because it's tied into everything that is involved in Kate's life—the death of her mother and the the <clears throat> senator and and the death. Of, it's all one under this giant dark black evil umbrella, and she felt that. It was necessary for her to separate herself from Castle, n- not only like mentally, but she li- like they literally put their marriage on pause or on timeout. And she's trying to do this, but she's not explaining to him because she has to. She feels she needs to protect him, and blah blah blah. Now he's sort of finding out about his lost time, and it turns out it's also involving this. Lockheed thing but he doesn't want to tell her because past castle in the video told future castle not to tell her to protect her from herself because if she gets this information she'll go full bore and end up dead so now they're 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 just trying to figure out what their next step is and finally finally they both made the right decision and said, I'm going to talk to the other one, and we're going to do this together. <laughs> Finally. And it was it was perfectly put, because there is this, this English sidekick now for Castle. And she is, uh, her name is Hallie. She is, she, she was around him when he was 
like doing the things that he erased from his memory. So she has hung around because she likes Castle, like she she feels she needs to protect him. Plus, she also really likes his daughter, and she definitely needs to protect her from whatever Castle did. So she's been keeping quiet because past Castle asked her to. Said he, you know, we made her promise never to tell. And then eventually he comes to the answers, and she's like, all right, well. And then she spills the beans. So he is now wrestling with his decision to make. And then she goes, you know, um, you're, you're making really bad decisions. It's the worst thing I've heard. Because, like, they're, they're now at a point where they're just having these, like, secret trysts where they meet each other and sneak around. Because, you know, they do still love each other, and they are sort of still married, but they're not you know cohabitating they're 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 making everybody believe that they're actually a separated couple mm-hmm. so after one of these like he he says i have information to her and it's like all right i'm not going to get angry and they just end up getting drunk and sleeping it off in air quotes um the next morning he goes into his office to i don't know get aspirin because he's he's fucking dying he, they drank too much and blah 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 so this, this Haley is like, you know, you're making really bad decisions. She goes, you know, you have to fight for her and you have to, you know, show her, you know, that you, you can be trusted and that you are strong enough to be with her. And he's like, I don't know. I, there was a reason I said these things. There's a reason I erased my own memory. And Haley then turns and says, well, we have this bit of information and, you know, you could just start investigating further and get all this information and do this for her. And he's like, I- I'm not going to make any decisions about this anymore without talking to-, to Kate, without talking to Beckett. And Haley's like, that is the best thing I have ever heard. Go get your wife. And by the end of the episode, they are fully on the same page. So... We're going to get the, the, the proper team up. The way this show started was the team up of Castle and Beckett. We fell in love with that couple, I don't know, half a season in. Then they finally caught up with us and fell in love with each other. It got married and then estranged themselves. And now we're going to get back to the status quo. We're going to get back to that, that, that couple that right now is like rocketing up my chart for like best couple on television i love seeing these two people happy together and and going through madcap adventures um madcap yeah i don't hear that every day oh you're welcome um but the monster of the week part of this episode uh a young boy he goes up again he, he grew up in like the irish part of the town and the irish mob boss is pressuring him to be a mole because he's going to the to the police academy and he gets he ends up standing up to him and gets killed. I miss the police academy movies. Yeah, yeah it's really <laughs> what it is. Um the that's the that's the story we're led to believe, but it actually turns out that the the young girl that everybody is concentrating on because she most resembles Beckett like, she's the one that's stronger now, and she's going to end up taking all the records. This girl is actually the daughter of this Irish mobster, and, and she, well, you know, he knocked up her mother. And she has been trying to be, you know, distant from him her entire life. She doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And when he found out that she was in the academy, 
he is he sort of blackmails her into being a mole and this boy that was killed was her boyfriend and he went to go defend her and you know get her out of harm's way and he ended up dead so the the reason we find out that he got killed was because he was getting information for the mob boss and whilst getting that information we find out that the main p- police teacher guy the guy who's running the academy is crooked he's been stealing and to defend his secret or to keep it secret he shoots the kid he gets caught everybody is happy at the end except for the dead kid and one other police officer that got shot during the episode but with that is blah that's all just the blah 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 during the episode i'm getting more castle and beckett and i cannot be happier this show is so much fun and I'm just, I just, I was so tired of them like lying to each other, and and we all know how how much they love each other, and all of that standard bullshit, that crap that people do on TV. That's yeah. always, always a bad idea. And this show really didn't. Well, that's not true. They did it a lot. They do it a lot. They, they do. <laughs> but for some, you're reason, watching ABC. <laughs> it's amazing how people who are on TV have never seen TV before. It's, it's like if you'd seen TV before, you'd know not to do that. Absolutely correct. <laughs> it's it's as if TV doesn't exist in television. But we're. I'm hoping that everything starts to settle back into the the wonderful relationship that is these two, and they'll get. More of the answers that they need to settle this big baddie so that next season they can bring that XY killer back. Because I always like when he comes back. He shows up like every third season or every second season. So, uh, Good times. Lots of, lots of fun. Awesome. Um, I'm glad to hear that there's like – so I, this is a show that I, I hope to catch back up on one of these days. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to know that there will eventually be an ed- end to the stupidity. Because uh, this is the kind of thing that Karen and I would be watching and be like, all right, I am sick of this crap. I am done with this garbage. Can we just stop this? And uh, there are not enough hours in our viewing <laughs> schedule for this bullshit. Exactly. Well, well, so the- knowing ahead of time that the malarkey of the two of them being apart for no good reason other than the fact that TV characters lie to each other all the time, uh, knowing that has a definitive endpoint sure puts a smile on my face. Uh, the the thing that also helped with that stupid time period is that. Um, Castle and his daughter and Haley the English chick sort of dive head first into his private investigation business. Oh, he is a, he's a private investigator now. Yes, he's got a really cool office that if you flip one of the books, a door opens up and he has like a bat <laughs> cave. Of back course there. he does. Oh <laughs> my God, that's when, great. When they first revealed his brand new <laughs> redone office, he comes looking in and he flips the, the book and the door. I was like, this is so cool. Goes, Did they do the thing? Did they do the thing with my desk? And he slaps his hand on the desk and a door pops out and a gun shoots up so that he can catch it and shoot the guy that happens to be standing in front of his desk. That's awesome. <laughs> Which came in very handy later on. There was an episode where Jane shows up as, you know, Jane from Firefly. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. He makes an nice. appearance on Castle and he is a cop but you you really get the impression that he's a dirty cop but castle's actually helping him has he been on the show before yes I feel like he has okay. he is yeah. a returning character in this right. episode but um 
Castle's really nervous around him, and he feels like he's gonna like he's gonna beat him up. So he runs over to his desk and he slaps the table, and the gun pops up, and Jane catches it in the midair. He goes, "What are you doing? They only do that in movies." <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the show is it really hasn't lost a beat at all. It hasn't you know missed a step? It's still a lot of fun. It's just the the little annoyances about the relationship stuff, and God, haven't you guys figured this out yet? Why are we so much smarter than you? Blah, blah, blah. But finally, that's over. And we're getting back to the good stuff. So. All right. Chris. Yo. You you made comment about this show. And I did some some Googling. Mm -hmm. And I I, I found it on Netflix. I, I, I watched an episode. And I... I'm going to say I watched it, what, three, four days ago? I spoke to you about it. I, I'm mm-hmm. still confused. Okay. Um, <laughs> let, let me uh, let me back back this up a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to be talking about a, a, a Japanese anime called uh, FLCL, or as commonly pronounced Fully Cooly. This show is one of the strangest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, and Wait, hold on. What was that thing, that cartoon, with the? it was like a set of interstitials where... Oh, uh, my spoon is rejected by Don Hertzfeld. That would that is just a, a shy less weird than this show. Yeah, this show gets so much stranger than the episode that you saw. <laughs> oh my god, it really does. Um, so the reason I wanted to talk about this show, the, what what kind of popped it back up into my mind was that this show is from a, a good long time ago. I, I don't remember the year now. That was one of the few things I probably should have looked at before starting this episode. It says 2000. 2000? Yeah. yeah. So this show's old um, by TV show standards. And uh, it was just announced that Cartoon Network is producing two new seasons of this show. Okay. Um, the first season it was from the year 2000. It only has six episodes in it. Um, was it like a huge it, success? It has a... It has a pretty considerable cult following, okay. and it did very well here in America. So there's there's a little bit of history to to tell with this show and me personally. Um, so the first time I, you I, took acid, <laughs> <laughs> this show happened to come over to America at the exact right time for me. Uh, when this show aired, I was on. Um, on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim, back when they had a, um, it was before they kind of merged it with Toonami, uh, where Adult Swim had just a, a series of anime playing. Like, you know, they would play Cowboy Bebop, they would play When Trigon. it had cartoons on it. Yeah, when it had, does it not have cartoons on it Adult anymore? Swim is, I so lost a beat for me when Family Guy left and all of that stuff. Ah, I, I haven't seen it in forever, but, um. I, I watched it religiously at the time. Um, this was a, a this was post my very brief college career and um, before I moved uh, to New York. So I was living in a I was living in a house with a handful of friends for a while, and then I moved back home to save up some money so that I could move to New York. And um, this show happened at um, just the, a time in my life where I was really really susceptible to anime i was just kind of getting into it because cartoon network was showing a lot of really great anime at the time it was it was kind of a a weird time in my life where i was getting ready to move away um to new york and i'm i'm very attached to where i'm from uh 
and moving to New York kind of went against uh, my my nature in a very intrinsic level. But I did it because I really believed in what I was doing um, with with my friends and, and being a musician and everything. And it wound up leading to a whole you know series of things. But I needed uh, something beautiful in my life because um, where I'm from, where I, I currently live, there's lots of trees everywhere. And then I moved to New York City, and it's a very different. You know, I was in Brooklyn. It's a very it's it's a city it's lots of dirt and lots of anger uh lots of angry people in small spaces and there's ways to find beauty in new york but it wasn't as easy as just walking outside and 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 looking up at the stars cuz there was light pollution you you couldn't see the stars very often um and this show while intensely bizarre um just bizarre barely even begins to cover what this show is it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life. The animation, the, the, the crispness of the images, the, the way that it flows in and out of different art styles from episode to episode, the music, the, the heart that is behind this essentially nonsensical, uh, story, it just, it just connected with me. Now, uh, particularly I mentioned the music, um, a thing with me, with be it television shows, particularly video games, I, I, I connect to music very thoroughly. And this show hit with the music with me so quickly because the entire soundtrack is done by this uh, Japanese rock group called uh, The Pillows. And I fell in love with this soundtrack. And the way this show is edited to the soundtrack is some of the most cohesive editing to music I've I've ever seen. It is It is astonishingly how well this pre-existing music matches up to what's happening in the episodes it's it's really really a sight to behold when this when this stuff comes together it's it's amazing and the particular episode that i'm talking about is episode four full swing has one of my favorite musical episodes uh, one of my favorite music related moments in all of tv i every single time i watch it i get chills so to give you the basic <laughs> attempt All right, hold on, at the plot hold on, of people, this buckle show, up. Here it comes. <laughs> and believe me, this is weird. This is going to make the stuff I talk about with Dragon Ball sound like Castle. All right, this is like <laughs> this is absolute insanity. But the show is set up like insanity. It never pretends for a moment that it's anything but complete insanity. And it's self-aware too. Like there will be quick interstitials where There'll be a camera pointed to the cartoon characters in like a back room after a, a slow motion sequence. And they're talking about how tough it is to do those slow motion sequences <laughs> because you have to move so slow. It's, it's so strangely self-aware. The, the show centers on this, uh, kid named Nauta who lives in, um, a town where there's a, a giant, uh, plant, not like plant, like a, not like a factory organic plant. Yeah. A factory that just showed up the medical mechanical plant. Uh, which looks like a giant iron. Yes. And it just showed up in his town, and it lets off all this steam from time to time and makes the sky all, all gray and cloudy. Um, and uh, he lives with his dad, and his brother was a baseball player who was apparently very good and wound up getting a baseball career happening in America, and he moved to America. So Nauta hangs out with his brother's ex-girlfriend, uh, and his dad, who was single and crazy and obsessed with printing magazines, 
and uh, his grandfather, who was kind of an old lecher, which is just a an anime trope, as it were. Um, walking to school one day, he gets hit uh, with a, a a motorcycle, a Vespa, a Vespa, a <laughs> a a woman named Haruko. Uh, Haruko hits him with her bike. Uh, pulls a bass guitar off of her back. This bass guitar has a pull start. Uh, I don't know what it does, but you pull it and it sounds like a chainsaw starting up. And uh, she hits him in the head with it. And it causes this bump to show up on his head. And uh, eventually, throughout the course of the episode, this crazy woman, uh, Haruko, she kind of keeps running into Nauta and um, eventually a robot comes out of his head <laughs> and fights another robot that comes out of his head. And the robot has, like, a TV face. And after the episode, the robot kind of hangs out and lives with him. <laughs> and uh, it just it just gets stranger from there. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this episode, I, I, there's only so much of the plot that I can actually explain. Because the, the show doesn't, doesn't bother with really trying to make sense of the plot. Like, it seems like... I've likened this show to poetry before. Like, it doesn't always make sense, okay. but you know when it's beautiful. Okay. And watching, there's certain pieces of this show, and for for me, largely the the the, the bulk of it is is so stunning to look at. Like, the, some of the imagery is very weird, and some of it's really off putting. There's a lot of strange sexual humor in here. Yes. This is not a show that I like to watch with other people. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just funny to me. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's true. Like I, I always would feel uncomfortable showing this show to somebody else because it's it's so. Well, within the first minutes of the first episode, I feel like the kid's brother's girlfriend mm -hmm. sexually assaults him. She does. She does throughout the the course of the series. She like <laughs> pressures him into doing things he doesn't really want to do, and that's kind of a lot. Uh, an overarching theme of this show is is now to kind of coming to grips with his sexuality as a as a person and just kind of growing up a bit. Because mm -hmm. um, after Haruko hits him with her bike, she brings him back with mouth to mouth, mm -hmm. and he kind of falls for her like really hard. But she's older than him. He's like a a middle schooler at best, and she's like in her mid twenties, mm -hmm. and so it's like it's not really a relationship that's gonna happen. But he has this huge crush on her, but it's kind of like a love hate relationship because she's so insane and actually a crazy alien woman that has something to do with space pirates. It's <laughs> very Holy bizarre. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I have never seen this show, despite us being together like whatever ten, eleven years. <laughs> <laughs> For exactly this reason, because like he tell like he doesn't even try and sell me on it. He's always like, "No, this shit is weird. You won't like it." <laughs> and I and I with that and that shows our you know strength of our relationship. That I'm like, okay, okay, I trust you. <laughs> I don't well, need to see this. He made comment to me that the show actually didn't even like it was just in casual conversation where it came up that it was being whether it be renewed or continued or whatever. And you're like, wow, I really like that show. And that was it. That was the end of the conversation. And I mm. happened to fall down the Netflix rabbit hole, <laughs> and I saw it. And I'm like, "Oh, let me give this a shot." And I turned on the first episode. I feel I'm pretty sure it was Netflix. But what I didn't notice is that it had two versions of each episode. 
And one of them was dubbed and one of them was subtitled. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that, so I just clicked on the first box and it was the subtitled one. And I'm okay with subtitles, but you can't, I don't care who you are, you can't read fast enough for this show to keep up with subtitles. You really can't. I mean, unless you've, unless you've seen it before, like enough times, I've watched the sub, but only after I watched the dub a lot of times, because I knew the episodes backwards and forwards. And I thought watching uh, the subtitled version, I might be able to glean a little more insight into what's really happening. Because that was also kind of the fun of watching the show was kind of trying to piece it together and try to make sense of all this insanity that's going on on the screen. It's like, I don't know what's happening, but I know that I like it. Mm -hmm. But this isn't a show that I I recommend for everybody. It it gets my highest recommendation for myself (laughs) and for very a very specific audience. But uh, we'll get back to that later. Um, So this episode, Full Swing, is uh, it's my favorite episode of the series. It starts off um, where it it turns out that Nauta's grandfather is the coach of a baseball team. And it turns out that Haruko, who is now uh, living with uh, the Nauta's family as their housekeeper, Mm -hmm. who doesn't actually do any housekeeping, Mm -hmm. um, she wound wound up getting a part-time job for the opposing team. And since she has like this, like she has like kind of alien superpowers, she hits every ball out of the park (laughs) uh, because she's really good at swinging shit. Because most of the battles in the show end with her swinging her bass guitar at something and then it explodes. Right. So um, that's how kind of how the episode starts, and you learn that the team that uh, Nauta is the, the the team that Nauta's grandfather is in charge of is. Uh, not only getting their ass kicked because of Haruko, but also because uh, Nauta's brother, uh, Taskun, isn't there anymore, and he was their star player. Okay. So um, she's just brutally destroying everybody, and uh, Nauta's on this team as well, uh, but he doesn't do anything. He'll go up to bat, and he just stands there. He won't swing. He's just paralyzed with fear. So there's a really funny sequence of him just, you know, Three balls in a row, out. Three balls in a row, out. Like, almost like that old Looney Tunes cartoon. Mm-hmm. It was really funny. Um, so, uh, after that's all done, that robot that came out of his head, like, after the, their practice game or whatever is over, that robot that came out of uh, uh, his head is, like, cleaning up the baseball field for whatever reason. And he's, like, throwing baseballs into this garbage can across the field and hitting them every time. And so they, you know, give him a, a catcher's mitt and they start hitting all these crazy balls at him and he's catching every single one. And they're like, aha, we're going to get the robot to play on our team <laughs> and now we're going to get even with her and it'll be fantastic. So, um, uh, let's see where am I? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here just to, to make sure that everything's okay. So Nauta is, um, he's pissed about the whole situation because he's, He's too nervous to swing the bat. He's got a lot of baggage with his brother leaving, and he's obviously in love with Haruko, who is kicking the shit out of everybody in this baseball game. After he leaves practice to go home, um, when he's leaving, uh, Haruko gives him this kind of like pep talk saying, nothing will ever happen until you swing the bat, which is kind of the theme of this episode. You'll never accomplish anything if you don't go for it. Um, we meet this character named Commander Amaral who has these very strange-looking eyebrows. <laughs> and it's pointed out many times in the episode, they look fake. they not, like, drawn on. They're just rectangular eyebrows, and it doesn't match at all. Um, but he kind of just shows up and 
kind of gives him this weird uh, warning about Haruko, and you find out that he's more or less after her for some reason. This is the episode where you learn a little bit about all of the outer space stuff that's happening <laughs> behind the scenes. Um, uh, Har- after this meetup, Haruko meets up with Nauta, uh, and she kind of offers to train him on swinging the bat and there's this really sweet scene of the two of them training at the end of the at the end of the night where she's you know coming up behind him and wrapping her arms around him showing him how to hold the bat and he's getting all like nervous and stuff because he's totally nuts about this Mm -hmm. girl and um that's kind of the end of that scene uh at the end of it she tells him to aim at a star that's up in the sky up in the sky just says you know look at that star and swing for that star it's what all the the real sluggers do but in the next scene, you learn that that star is actually a satellite that's headed straight towards their, um, like a, a satellite bomb that's headed straight towards his hometown. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> and this team that is having all this, uh, this, this conversation about that that's pointing out they're monitoring it is Commander Amarau is in charge of. So there's a weird subplot, um, that one is weird subplot with uh where it looks like Haruko is having sex with Nauta's dad, uh, which kind of triggers another one of Nauta's headaches because in each episode something comes through his head, uh, through these weird you know spots or horns or whatever it is, and they kind of slowly come out until the end, whatever it is pops out of his head, and that's the end of it. Um, let's see, uh, Nauta's brother's girlfriend, I'm sorry this is so disjointed, these episodes are so dense. <laughs> but this is probably <laughs> the most dis- most jointed discussion of this freaking show ever. <laughs> so th- this whole, uh, thing where Nauta thinks that, uh, Haruko and his dad are sleeping together is really getting to him, like, so he's just being really pissy at home. Uh, cause, you know, obviously his dad's, he thinks his dad's, uh, with the girl that he's in love with. Um, he comes home, uh, to, to see his dad, like after one of these in- interactions that he witnessed and, um, his dad starts acting really, really strange and walking at him like really, really disturbingly. And now just already pissed at him for what he thinks was sleeping with Haruko. And he, he finally swings his bat at his dad's head. Oh, Jesus. And, um, <laughs> the, the net you the next scene there's like kind of a cut they don't really do a whole lot of interconnectivity but he's in um uh, commander amarau has like taken him in for questioning for hitting his dad and um the music during oh, the music during this inter- uh, interrogation sequence is a song called beautiful morning with you uh by the pillows it's oh god it's such an incredible song and the way that it matches up with the episode is is so stunning because the mu the this song goes in and out of being very heavy and very slow mm-hmm. and they paced this sequence of him uh th- just the whole conversation that it fit with the song so well for when it gets heavy and then when it goes back down to being slow and this is a song that's used more than once in the series to great effect every time but i believe this is the first time you hear the song in the uh in the series so Nauta goes back home after getting away with this inve- you know getting away with this investigation without any sort of like being in trouble because mm-hmm. um, he keeps denying that he actually hit his dad. He just said he hit his his TV set with his uh, baseball bat, and they eventually let him go. He goes home and he finds out that that thing he hit that was looked like it was having sex with Haruko was actually a robot of his dad that. Haruko created to be like some sort of strange servant slash massage machine. <laughs> okay. 
and he then finds his real dad dehydrated under the sink. What? What? So he looks like he's all folded up like a dehydrated corpse, and it freaks him the freaks him the hell out. He grabs it, throws it in the bathtub, and just has this total nervous breakdown because he thinks he just found his dad's corpse, but he magically re uh, rehydrates. And he explains that uh, Haruko came to Nauta's dad and said that, um, asked if he could use his head, and naturally he agreed, and, uh, but it just didn't work. And this is where a voiceover from Commander Amaral comes in and explains that there's actually a kind of strange science to what's going on, where Haruko, with her bass guitar, hits somebody in the head, and she uses, like, the two halves of the person's brain inside to create a black hole that she can pull things in from another dimension. What? <laughs> <laughs> Which is why things keep coming out of his head. But you oh can't God. just use any head. It has to be the right one. And turns out that Nauta has the right kind of head for this situation. During I want to meet the person that came up with this shit. I, I swear know, to God. It is so out there. I love it. It's so out there. So they eventually go to a baseball game and uh, Haruko versus the uh, robot that came out of Nauta's head. And um, the baseball game gets cut short because um, this satellite is headed straight towards Mabase City, which is the city this takes place in. It's heading right for the center of it. And if it lands, it's going to kill everybody. So, uh, Commander Amaral, who is after Haruko, talks to Nauta and asks him to, um, help save the day. Like, he knows that she could stop this satellite. He also knows that it turns out that she is basically, had basically summoned this satellite to come down and destroy the city. Um, but nobody really knows exactly what this woman's motivations are until the end of the series. And even then, it doesn't make a whole lot of Still sense. Still kind of fuzzy. Still Shocking. kind of fuzzy, to <laughs> say the least. But she brings um, uh, Nauta up to the top of the Medical Mechanica plant, which is, you know, ground zero for where this thing is going to hit. And the she reaches into his head and pulls out um, this episode's item, which just happens to be, like, a crazy awesome electric guitar. Okay. And he's just like, what the hell is that? And she gives it to him and says, your bat. This satellite is shaped like a baseball. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's hurtling towards the earth, and she's, you know, setting him up, like, all right, all you got to do is swing the guitar, and you'll save the day. If not, everybody everywhere is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> And now just just like he's totally nervous, and he's just he starts freaking out. He turns around, and Haruko's gone. She's just riding her Vespa away, and he's there all by himself on top of this plant with a giant baseball shaped, not quite baseball shaped. It was a baseball glove shaped, which then threw a baseball shaped bomb. <laughs> oh, see now that and, makes um, more sense. Oh yeah, of course that makes all the sense. Holy this shit. is. What I was talking about where this is my favorite musical moment I think I've ever seen in any television show. Um, because as this whole sequence starts, they start playing this song called Crazy Shun Sunshine, which is just this really, really fast-paced, uh, lots of major chords, just rock and roll song. It's so good. And all the major beats line up to all this this intensity of like the satellite getting closer and closer and now to being the only one up there. 
and nobody knows if he's going to swing the bat because that was the whole point of the episode is like, are you just going to let everything pass you by or are you going to swing the bat and let something happen and take a chance? And as Haruko's driving away, she looks back and she sees the satellite stop and he actually did it. He swung the guitar, but he's not strong enough. So it's like the music is getting more and more intense and the, the bat, the, the ball is like grinding up against his guitar bat thing. And, um, he, the, the ball starts splitting apart like it's going to explode. And at the very last second, Haruko jumps up, swings her bass guitar against the back of his. The ball flies back out into space, explodes. The sky turns a gorgeous blue color. And that's kind of the end of it. They save the day. Um, now to passes out, um, there's a, a scene, the following scene is just this, another really sweet looking scene where, She's driving unconscious Naoto on her on her bike, like on the the bottom of a Vespa, like the kind of flat surface. He's just kind of mm-hmm. resting there with his guitar, like clutching onto it, like it's <laughs> like it's his lifeblood. Oh, and uh, she just kind of looks at him and smiles, and then she starts laughing like a crazy person. And uh, then Commander Amaral has a brief thing where he's talking to his assistant about how Haruko saved the day, but she also put everybody at risk by bringing this uh, satellite there, and we're not entirely sure why. And then his eyebrows fall off. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> what? 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 They later explain that the eyebrows are actually a defense mechanism that stopped Haruko from being able to pull things out of his head. Uh, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? What? That's as, that's as much sense as I can make out of this. Um, Wait, Chris. Chris. <laughs> You no, made no. absolutely no sense. <laughs> and, and it's not Chris's fault. I like, know. I just don't think there's any sense to be made here. It's pure insanity, but like, I think that's the point of it. Like, I, I really believe that the point of this show is just look how pretty this is and look how much fun this <laughs> look, is. Look, shiny. Look, shiny. Look. Oh, boy. But it, it's it, there's something about it that's delivered with such a level of heart like i kept pointing out these these couple of very sweet scenes like you i don't say i don't want to say you um because like i said this show seems to be geared towards a very specific audience but when i was watching it i i felt for nauta like through this whole thing like even through all this absolute insanity there was this one basic there was a couple of very basic threads that went on and it was you know Nauta's journey to to growing up and dealing with being the the oldest kid in the house and with a single dad and his grandfather the only people being around and him dealing with his feelings for Haruko like when the series the the, the series finale uh he winds up just going crazy crazy powerful with some I don't even remember the details of it but he gets absolute insane powers and saves the day by himself he has Haruko's bass in one hand and his guitar in the other hand and he just flying around with all this crazy power and then at the very last second he flies towards Haruko with just like you think he's gonna end her because she is in the villain role at this point and he flies at her and stops an inch away from her face and he just looks at her and says I love you and he gives her a kiss and then the whole episode ends and it was the sweetest thing it's so strange but it was so sweet and I don't know. This show means the world to me. It's it's one of my favorite things I've ever seen 
and I wish I could recommend it to people to watch, but I just, <laughs> I just can't. In all good consciousness, you can't do that unless you're sitting there beside them to coach them along. But I wouldn't want to watch it with somebody. <laughs> it's like if you are somebody who has an appreciation for just gorgeous animation and an appreciation for the as bizarre as Japanese culture can be, then this is for you. But if you're not into either of those things, I don't think there's any casual viewing of this show. <laughs> that said, this show did incredibly well for Cartoon Network during their Adult Swim block. Um, and this isn't the first time they've renewed a show. Of course, it's been a long time, but they had this other show that they were airing, another Japanese anime that got canceled called uh, The Big O. And... Um, they renewed that show. They paid for the st the original studio to make another season of it, and it was is that, wildly successful. For is them. that what's going to happen with this one? Yeah, Cartoon Network is paying for new seasons of this show, and I think they've got the original creative team involved. I I, I don't know for sure, okay. but we are going to have an article on Geek Aid in the in the coming weeks about mm -hmm. this, right? Yeah, yeah, our, one of our new new writers, Don Blake, is going to write something about this, and I'm very interested to hear what she has to say about it, because I was surprised when I found out that somebody else who works for the site was a fan of the show. Um, Kindred it's, spirits, I guess. <laughs> Weirdos I have no idea where they're going to go from here. Like, there's all sorts of unanswered questions about how it goes past and everything, but I didn't feel like this show needed any more than six episodes. Like, this level of insanity... It, I don't know if that's the right thing to keep it going, but at the same token, like, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to begin with, so it's not like they're gonna betray the story or anything <laughs> like that. Okay. So, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I love this show, and I'm, I'm glad I, I got a chance to talk to it. I know it is a little outside of the type of TV that we usually talk about, um, cause, you know, Japanese anime is, Anime is its own thing, mm -hmm. for the most part. Like, there's TV and there's anime. And I like to blur those lines a bit, because it's it's on TV. It's t it's television. And television is is beautifully diverse in, its, in, in what it can show you. And I do feel that there's a lot of merit to um, all kinds of shows. Like, our feature topic, for example, is a children's program, essentially. So, in essence, um, it is, yeah. Absolutely. Fully agree with that. And... and I'm, I hope that they do it justice for you because you seem to have some sort of passion for it. The last thing we want to see is them bring this back after so many uh, 16 years, I'm assuming, seeing as it was yeah. only six episodes. Uh, it to come back and just to, I don't I, I wouldn't see them trying to cash in on a, you know, decade and a half old show. So, yeah, I mean, there's uh, they obviously <clears throat> feel that there's a story to tell. So cool. Go for it. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, as Chris said, we're going to be talking another cartoon and hopefully get the bad taste of Batman v Superman out of your face. <laughs> Stay tuned. The Waveback Podcast takes a listen to some music from the Final Fantasy series for the first time by checking out some tracks from Final Fantasy X for PlayStation 2. The game was both a critical and commercial success and was the first in the series to warrant a direct game sequel. Does Nobuo Uematsu's score live up to the game's excellent reputation? Find out along with Chris and Vicky in Waveback, Episode 21, Final Fantasy X. 
there was an all-new episode of Ring the Bell this week, and it was chock full of laughs. Laughs at the expense of Hulk Hogan's court case win, Terry Bollea's junk, and some departing talent in what they think will happen in the upcoming WrestleMania event. Yes, Terry Bollea is Hulk Hogan. Head over to the Geekade YouTube channel and watch Ring the Bell, WrestleMania predictions. It's what Hulk Hogan would do. And Terry Bollea would do. Robot Nightmare plays a game with real robots! Yes, Alex and Ed are joined by newcomer Kyle to tackle the Super NES classic, Mega Man X. New episodes premiere every Tuesday and Thursday until they manage to take down Sigma and achieve everlasting peace. There's also plush dolls and a bearded man on a couch, so this is everything you could possibly want out of a YouTube video, right? Head on over to the GeekAid YouTube page for Robot Nightmare, Mega Man X. As we discussed a few weeks ago, the second season of Agent Carter has come to a close, and the future of the show is uncertain. Karen takes a look back at the show to explain why it should be renewed on the strength of its main character alone. Spoiler alert, it's not because of her outfits. Well, not just because of her outfits. Check out In Defense of Agent Carter, an American Badass, located in a think tank. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at geekade.com. And we're back. Thank you much for checking out our commercials. So let's get to something that's very simple, straightforward, and understandable. A man who has a bat fetish that hangs out with a guy who can fly. Um, this week, a, a movie came out that everybody and their mother was waiting for. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't what we wanted. Or was it what we expected, or maybe both? Now, let's see. It was neither um, what we needed or what we or deserved. Or what we deserved. Um, see, and the main problem is, approximately 20 years ago, maybe 19, there was a cartoon on television called uh, The Adventures of Superman, or Superman Adventures, one of those. I think it was. I think it was actually just called Superman. Yeah. And then it, it it's been remarketed and rebranded a couple of times. But when it originally aired, I think the show was just called Superman. Uh, the DVD sets called Superman the Animated Series. Right. Um, and there was the Adventures of Superman. I think was was occasionally called. But or was that the yeah. the Adventures of Batman and Superman? Okay. There was the Paul Dini run of Batman. Batman the Animated Series started this whole thing where mm-hmm. it took the DC Universe cartoons very, very seriously, and if you haven't seen them, you really need to watch them. Some of the best cartoons, nay, television that has been produced on any network. What we're specifically talking about this week is the episodes 16, 17, and 18 of season 2 of Superman, uh, and it is a three-part series called World's Finest. Now, this is the first time we see Batman and Superman join forces on the little screen, if you will. As a side note, this is also the beginning of a shared universe. This is th- this is them doing in an animated series what uh, Marvel eventually did in, in in their movies. Batman the Animated Series had been running for years. I see what you're saying. And then they started a Superman animated series, and then they had them cross over as if, as in, these actually do take place in the same, same universe. universe. Yes, yes. Um, now, 
as the, the story starts, we find out that Joker is in Metropolis. He has stolen a what appears to be a jade statue of a dragon, but we later find out is kryptonite. And it's all part of his plan to get a billion dollars from Lex Luthor so that to for him to kill Superman. Which he proposes in just the best Joker fashion imaginable. Uh, just he's sitting in the back of Lex's uh Lex's limo and Lex just says, What do you want? Pay me one billion dollars and I'll kill Superman. <laughs> I mean <laughs> just Joker was spot on these three episodes. He was perfect. Oh my god. Um Oh my god. Ha- Mark Hamill just kills it in this. Absolutely. The Bruce Wayne ends up taking a trip. It's, you know, time for his trip to, to Metropolis because he finds out that that's where Joker is and he knows that Joker's up to no good, so he heads out to Metropolis. When he gets to Metropolis, his plane is greeted by all the news coverage that could possibly fit into Metropolis, and there's Clark and Lois, and immediately Bruce starts hitting on Lois. I mean, I don't even think he mi- flat out ignores the handshake from Clark to help her pick up her shit that she dropped because she's all nervous. And she is, yeah, like uh, she is in deep smit. She is dumbfounded. Mitten. I mean, Bruce is very charming in this incarnation, yeah. and like total panty dropper, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good lord. I, yeah, that's right. I said it. There I it said is. a cartoon character <laughs> is a panty dropper. Cartoon Bruce Wayne. Total panty dropper. Um, <laughs> so, as I recall, um, Joker unsuccessfully... Well, all right. Joker kidnaps Lois. Right? I'm trying to think of the order yes. which things... Ha- no. <laughs> when does... Bruce, he, he comes into town. Uh, Batman Bruce and, lands. And, um, Joker starts setting up shop. Mm-hmm. Right, he he gets the the deal from Lex. He's going to pay him to to kill Superman. But it can't be tied so to him. I remember that exactly. That was a it can't deal. be tied to him. Oh wait, so I remember. Comes up, uh, Wayne and Luther had a a, a deal together to build mm-hmm. robots for unmanned space travel. No, not according to Lex. He wanted to weaponize them and sell them to the military and Bruce said a nay nay I won't let tell them I don't like guns (laughs) (laughs) I believe I believe his his word yeah he said specifically I don't like guns tell your friends at the Pentagon I just don't have the imagination and tell your friend Zack Snyder that while you're at it (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um that immediately gets you know a rift between Wayne and Luther Luther's all you know, but hurt, and that's when Joker steps in to say, "I'm going to help you with some of your problems by killing Superman." <clears throat> uh, he kidnaps Lois. Mm-hmm. Wait, okay. When does Superman and Batman first fight? That's in the first one, and I'm trying to remember yes, why the they came episode. together. Well, because um, Superman's. Looking for the Joker, and because the Joker has showed up in town and he's found out about it. Right. Batman showed up in town also looking for the Joker. They both wound up in the same place in that club looking for that one guy who used to work for that, uh, the group of criminals that, that Joker took right. over. And the, the way this scene played out could not have played out 
any better. Oh, well, it showed like so. I was talking with this, talking about this episode with a friend of mine, and like it, it's it perfectly shows the difference between Batman and Superman, very simply, and and perfectly encapsulates the characters that they are because Batman's getting a little overzealous with his interrogation, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's he's beating dudes up. He's got one dude against the wall, like just slamming him against the wall, like like, you know, tell me. And Superman grabs his this is one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Superman grabs his arm, he says, That's enough. I think you got your answer. And Batman, this is the first time Batman has ever come into contact with Superman. And Batman's first move is to throw Superman across the room. Hip flips him right over onto his ass. And the way this is animated is fantastic because a lesser show would have just animated this like Superman was thrown and he landed and almost like looking like he was getting hurt, like a regular person being thrown. Mm -hmm. But no, Superman is just looking at him dumbfounded. He falls and breaks a table because he never takes his eyes off Bruce like... Did this guy just throw me? <laughs> He's just a dude, and he threw me across the room. And Batman just turns around, puffs out his chest, and be like, what? <laughs> Step, motherfucker, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> so Batman turns to continue his, uh, his interrogation, and Superman supermans the crap out of him into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> he does this really quick speed up to him and just like, Shoulder blocks, just, just a little shoulder right into a right into the wall. <laughs> he V's the hell out of him. He does. And he certainly it's at that point him. when Batman hits the ground and he's sitting on his ass, Superman looks at him with his special X-ray eyes, only to remove Bruce the Wayne. mask. Nothing. I else. won't have vigilantism <laughs> in my town. You'll be rid of me just as soon as I find the Joker. This is such a good show. So we now are aware that Superman knows Bruce Wayne is Batman, and they 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 depart. They separate. Oh, that the separation is so good though. Because Superman's just, he's got him again, he's standing up to him, and, and, and Batman's like kind of that backing off a little bit, because now Batman's at a total disadvantage, mm-hmm. he just got super slammed into a wall, and Superman knows his secret identity. So he, and while he's talking to him, he, you see his little hand reach into his, his utility belt, and he pulls out a tiny, tiny shred of kryptonite that he got from the, oh, the crime scene earlier right. in the episode. Brings he puts it up to his face, and he says, it doesn't take much, does it? The Joker's got 20 pounds more where this came from. Thought you might like to know. Throws it into a wine glass across the room. When Superman turns to look at the wine glass, looks back, Batman's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Batman exit, poof. And the next sequence, which is, I think, where you were going, the it, next scene, it, you see Clark Kent going home, you know, just into his apartment. Out. He hits yeah, his, he his, hits his landing. He undresses, gets into his PJs, and Lois calls him, and she's like, I'm going to be late tomorrow because I got a hot date, blah, blah, blah. And this is the point in time that we realize that Batman has put a tracer on Superman's (laughs) cape. Superman's cape. (laughs) Superman looks out the window, turns on his supervision, zooms way out like... Like, a couple miles in the distance, and there's Batman sitting on top of a roof, smiles at him, gives him a salute, and jumps off a building. My, be- my favorite part- But he's, like, staring at him like a creeper, though. He's got, like, he's got a, a, like, not binocular, like a, a telescope, like one of those mini pirate telescopes, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. And he just, aha, now we're even. Now we're and even. And he just, Batman's away, like, he doesn't fly, yep. he just does that swoopy, jumpy jump thing. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, oh, th- although this, the, I think the second or third episode has the best Batman away I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and, and which, well. <laughs> <laughs> after, after the whole Lois being kidnapped thing happens, mm-hmm. when, uh, yo, know, he's, that whole Joker scheme is so fantastic. And I have no idea <laughs> if Joker's scheme was actually the, to let this play out exactly the way it did. So he's he he's he's kidnapped Lois and Superman's the only one that can that 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 can save her or whatever. So he's using Lois as a trap. Well, he gets Superman to show up. Superman shows up in his anti kryptonite outfit, and the Joker just like which is really just your eyes on this. A radiation suit is really all yeah. it is. We find out it's nothing super about it. Yeah. Well, it's got the S on the front. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Super. That's true. It does have the S. <laughs> so he's waving the kryptonite at him, and Superman just looks at him and is like. You idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That, like, this whole thing was part of Joker's plan because his reaction to it was, I thought all of this out. I, I all planned, planned this. so perfectly. Everything. Oh, wait. I forgot the acid. And he acid. shoots his little f- water flower and shoots this spray of acid onto Superman's radiation <laughs> suit, which immediately melts it. And now Superman falls to a whimpering pile of mush on the floor because he's got approximately 10 pounds of kryptonite in, in, you know, breathing distance of him. Mm-hmm. That's when uh, Batman swoops in to save the day, not before uh, Joker releases some sort of poisonous gas into the room. Yeah, seals the room, <laughs> starts filling it up with gas. Like, he really Bat- took it above and beyond, because really, that point, the gas is moot, because he should have killed Superman with the kryptonite. He had, he had contingencies <laughs> in place, just in case. But the best part about it is once he gets Superman down and the kryptonite's lying on the ground beside him, he is literally dancing and pirouetting around him, kicking Superman <laughs> while he's on the ground. Zapping <laughs> him with his little hand sapper. <laughs> and that is like his go-to weapon in this cartoon, yeah. is the, the buzzer, the hand buzzer that sends yeah. out really powerful bolts of electricity. Um... And again, in, in fantastic uh, Mark Hamill form, Batman shows up. He finds out about it. Excuse me. We have a pest control problem. <laughs> he looks down at Superman and says, feel free to expire anytime. <laughs> <laughs> this show is so awesome. Uh, Batman uh, attempts to save Superman and Lois, um, but he can't do it. He tries to get rid of the kryptonite by maybe putting it in some sort of lead-lined casing or something, and he can't find no, uh, anything, the, they, and then he they, uses uh, the acid to melt it, which... Yeah, that was that was, that was was Superman's plan, right. yeah. Well, he's... Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry. Batman is looking around the room, and I'm assuming he's looking for something to put the stone into, <clears throat> to protect it. Well, he looks over at... He, he, he's just looking for anything in the room... He picks up things as hydrochloric acid. It would take a week to eat through the walls. Superman says, no, kryptonite. So he pours it all over the kryptonite. The kryptonite dissolves. Ta-da. And the reason they're in a room full of hydrochloric acid is that they're at one of, they're at Lex's, like, research yeah. facility. Because <laughs> the Joker's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but this was, this is, this is the, the, the super baller moment that I love so much. Superman, he's like, snap out of it, Kent, or wherever. The Joker has the laugh, la- last laugh. So Superman, like, you know, he gets his business together. He grabs Super, he grabs Batman, he grabs Lois, flies out of the building. They land. And he's like, 
Thank you. I couldn't have done it without you. Batman backs up and says, I'm aware of that. Shoots a grappling hook into the sky where his plane just happens to be passing by and it picks him up and carries him off into the distance. <laughs> Peace out, bitches. <laughs> that was just such a bold thing to say. He just looks him straight in the eye and says, I'm aware of that. Like, no, you're welcome. He's like, no, you're right. You're right. You couldn't have done it without me. I'm out. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, now that Joker has gotten away... He enacts some sort of plan to release, okay, the, the robots that they had designed previously in the episode are these tiny little guys. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they made really, really big ones. Well, yeah, because there's, um, when Joker's get a tour of Lex's facility, you find out, oh, Lex has already weaponized these things. Oh, surprise, surprise. Lex Luthor's a dick. Got it. <laughs> um, so, at, there's, what, there was a scene where Lex and Joker square off, and they're it, you know they're having an argument. But the entire time, <laughs> the entire time, Harley Mercy and, and Harley <laughs> are fighting each other in the background, and they just like pass through frame, and like it was hysterical. <laughs> yeah, he shows they're like they're having a you know totally like business like negotiation conversation and there's all this chaos bouncing around the room and that was one of my favorite things that i enjoyed about this was how friggin crazy harley quinn is oh yeah like she's just bananas <laughs> the, the the first scene where they uh kidnap uh lex they take her uh they take the um his limo she knocks out this driver and takes over driving it when she's picking up Lex, right. she's just there's just a, a a little overhead shot of her driving through the city, like going to meet the Joker so they can have their conversation, and it's just the tr- cars just weaving in and out of traffic. It's this throwaway little moment, but it's perfectly uh, illustrates how fucking bananas she is. She is a, a, a severe nutball. Um, she picks him up as a hitchhiker. He's like, "Ooh, cute hitchhiker!" <laughs> He's got his legs show showing, like hiking up his pants. <laughs> and then they cut to Harley in the driver's seat. And she goes, <laughs> <laughs> "Okay." Um, so we have Joker has now kidnapped. I don't. I want. At what point in time, uh, the bodyguard, the female bodyguard, is attached to one of the robots? Yeah, and that was a uh, one of that was like uh, the Joker's, I think, second attempt at getting rid of everybody. Um, <laughs> he told everyone to go to what, like Hobbs Bay or something, and uh, they, you know, Batman and Superman showed up, and when they first got there, you know, Batman was like, you know, look through the walls to find out what's going on. He's like, I can't. Luthor's been lied in his uh, buildings with lead ever since he found out about my my X-ray vision works, and um. Yeah, so they go in there and um Well that comes into play, but my before we get to that point, the Superman is notified by Joker via some sort of news break that projects this light through the screen yeah. and gives out the exact location of where he needs to go, but the light blinds everybody but Superman. Yeah, this 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 show does not have a very firm grip on oh, computer technology. Oh, no, no, no. 
So, oh my god, like the, the uh, newsroom and the Daily Planet, I have no fucking idea what they're typing into, but it's not computers. It's just there's these keyboards embedded into the desk and these weird looking like oval shaped monitors yeah. that just pop out. Art Deco, like, what the baby. Fuck is that? Art Deco. And I don't know what the hell that is, but it's not a computer. It's, they're so strange. Like the screens would be way too small. They're not like. <laughs> She's saying she ovals. She's like three lines like, of text. Yeah, they're like, they're they're really thin ovals. They're like, I don't know, 14 inches wide and 8 inches tall. It's What in the hell is going on there? All right, so Soups gets the address. He takes off flying. Uh, as we know, Batman can't fly, but conveniently enough, Batman, as Bruce Wayne, owns a plane that's big enough to carry the Batwing in the ass end of it. So... Pops open the big plane to let his little jet plane fly out. They all meet up at, you know, the, the, the Hobbs Bay, I guess it was. And there is the final-ish showdown because Lu- uh, Joker has double-crossed a double-crossing Lex Luthor, right? <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And... The- there's a final final confrontation between the two, and Harley says, "You know, well now we're never we'll never get the billion dollars." And you know, Joker's like, "Well, I see something that will make do." And Lex has this wing, this plane wing thing. That's a flying wing. It's, a, it's just like a it's like a crescent shaped thing, but due to the fact it's a crescent shape. Joker and Harley modify, actually really Harley modifies it to make it look like a giant smile, a giant toothy smile that one of my favorite <laughs> moments in the entire episode, she's just, pl- she just paints vertical black lines on it. Like, what the heck is she doing? And the camera like pans up to this overhead shot and it kind of looks like a smile. And uh, Harley says like nothing like a great big smile. And then it cuts to this just one off line of the Joker saying, I like to personalize all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I must have laughed out loud so many times watching this. It's such a good show. So he takes off. Um, the theory is is that now Joker has Lex captured. He is going to destroy everything that Luther has created, which is apparently like eighty percent of Metropolis. <laughs> so he's just flying around, blowing shit up, buildings left and right. Blah blah blah. Uh, <clears throat> Bats comes in to attack him with his Batwing that is got rockets on it. There's some fighting, some explosions. Harley gets parachutes out because, uh, no. Batman takes Harley out. Conveniently enough, Batman has a parachute underneath his cape. Joker is trapped. home without it. <laughs> Joker is trapped on the crashing... Lex wing, it explodes. They can't find the body. We don't. We think he's dead. But while all that is sort of going on, um, <clears throat> Batman, uh, Superman is fighting these giant weaponized robots, and he, you know, pretty much just knocking the shit out of them. But then they start getting smarter or whatnot, and one of them has the, um female bot Lex's bodyguard taped to it on one side if I'm not mistaken and on the other side is a, a clump of kryptonite it was a different robot was it a different robot yeah he, he beat up the one that had mercy uh, taped to it 
And then the big, big one that shows comes up, out. and that's when he tells Batman to go after the wing. He's like, don't worry, I got this. <laughs> and then after Batman leaves, he goes to punch the thing, and then spins the kryptonite around. He's like, ah, damn it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> and then he quickly runs to the other side to punch it on that side, and it spins around and shows him the grip. So yep. eventually it knocks him down into the ground, which loosens up some of the floorboards, I guess, or whatnot. And could, no, it picks up a wall. Does, it takes and crushes oh, right, Clark it, it with throws it. Throws the door at, aha, uh-huh, and it crushes it with that. And then he's like, ah, that's right. We were referenced this earlier. These are lead lined, which will protect him from the kryptonite. And he crushes the robot. He just gets up. Lead lined doors remind me to thank Luthor, <laughs> and he just pushes the robot right off a cliff. It's it, it's fantastic. And that right there. Everything about this three-part episode of a children's program is so much more well thought out than anything that happens in Batman v Superman. Which is true, apparently. I haven't seen it yet. I'll be the judge of that at some point. Um, so, so uh, Batman is floating down with Harley in tow. Soups comes over. There was something was going to happen. I felt like like they were in jeopardy, but Soups comes flies by and grabs the parachute and drags them along with him. Yeah, the ship had gone down and was exploding pretty hardcore, uh, and then Superman kind of. Oh, that's him. right, and the the flames bellow up and try to go. Uh, yeah, that's right. Pudding, pudding. At yeah. this place, he at this point he probably is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so everything is buttoned up, nicey nice. All the bad guys have been captured. Uh. Luther's in trouble, Joker's dead, Harley's been arrested, she's being sent back to Arkham, I would assume. Uh, At some point in this whole plot, Lois got kidnapped again, but she then got rescued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in the process, didn't she learn who that Bruce Wayne was Batman, yes, right? Yes, because yeah. she, uh, there were robots fighting. Batman was fighting she, a robot. That's right. She wasn't captured. It was the robot was chasing after Batman, who decided to go to the Daily Planet. Because he thought that was oh, how to get in touch with right. Superman. He was like, well, there's no way to get in touch with this guy, so I'm going to go to the Daily Planet. <laughs> and then looks around, let me guess, you're the only one here. <laughs> but my favorite part about that is however long Batman has been around, he has never lost his mask. He, he gets into one little scrape at the Daily Planet and the newspaper printer catches his cape catches and just cape, yoinks yeah. it off. <laughs> Yoink! And Lois sees that he's that Bruce Wayne is Batman, and Batman is Bruce Wayne, and she's all taken back. And well, are you ever gonna tell me? And blah blah blah. Yeah, because they were all set to move into it. She was gonna, gonna move, move to move Gotham, to Gotham yeah. and like move in with him, and that happened real fucking fast. <laughs> yeah. By the way, <laughs> again, children's cartoon. Yeah. They gloss over that that stuff pretty well. But at the oh, end, geez. she says, uh, <clears throat> "No, I'm really not super cool with this. I think we're going a little too fast." So, you go home, I'm staying here. Peace. So, there's a little interaction at the end where, you know, Bruce turns to Clark and he says, All right, she's all yours now. But you better take care of her because I know where you live. <laughs> and off he goes. <laughs> this is perfect cartooning. This is perfect Batman, perfect Superman. This is what we should get in, in, in live action this type of story. Because it's dark enough, because it's Batman and Joker and Lex, and and then it's hopeful enough because it's Superman and 
relationship shit. And it was, this is perfect. I don't know. I, I don't want to get into the movie stuff, but this. Yeah. This, I mean, there's really, there's, there's really no need. I mean, there's other podcasts to listen to on this, uh, channel mm-hmm. that, that we'll be talking in, in probably great length about. I'm sure we'll Batman be talking about it on paper cuts. On, on paper cuts. But I mean, the, the bottom line is, is that. <clears throat> the trouble with Batman v Superman, obviously there's lots of uh there's there's lots of character problems, but this is what those characters like the the archetypes, this is one of the best interpretations of those archetypes. Mm-hmm. And this this started that crossover. This was you know, Batman the Animated Series was on Fox, Warner Brothers started its own channel, they got uh Batman the Animated Series back onto their network after the first season of Superman, it started airing at the same time as this, they had a crossover episode <coughs> and established a shared universe, which eventually became the Justice League. They introduced Green Lantern in this, they introduced Flash in this, and, and then when Justice League started, it was like the Avengers movie did. It had all these pre-existing things that then... Uh, amalgamated into one, you know, just superhero team thing. Like one beautiful. This thing. was the what 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 a beautiful thing. Yeah. This was the groundwork for that. Mm-hmm. And seeing this episode happen was like it was it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible because I remembered when they started Superman the animated series, thinking to myself, "This is really good." I've never liked Superman much before. This is outstanding. I wonder if they would ever like. I wonder if this actually takes place in the same world as Batman the Animated Series, which it kind of couldn't because when Animated Series started, it had that whole kind of, it, it tied into the Bruce, uh, the, uh, not Bruce Tim, um, Tim Burton, yeah. uh, movies a little bit. Yes. And so like the time frame was a little off and then they just decided, nah, screw it. It takes place in current day. It's the same thing. Continuity. Just don't worry about that. Cartoon kid, up go. There. Cartoon kid, go. <laughs> and. Then they made that a cohesive world, and it was so, so good. Yeah. And it was so smart. I mean, they did things. I, I will never forget watching Justice League, a, an episode of Justice League, where they made a callback to an episode of Superman the Animated Series from, like, five years prior. And it was so smartly put together, and this was the first piece of that. And the way these two characters met and were clearly on opposite sides of the way things should be done, and then naturally became friends that that's what you want that makes sense like their relationship meant something at the end of this episode like all right these two of these characters have very different philosophies on the way they should do things but by the end of the episode they respect one another and then when the two of them are as close as they are in justice league it it earned that like the two characters being friends it was a very natural progression and um they were actually friends I, not people that just dealt with each other exactly yeah like it, it just it flowed so naturally now obviously this show is still a kids show there's no getting around the fact that some of the writing is intentionally hack hacky and the the relation the 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 romantic part of it is very very cheesy mm-hmm. but it's it doesn't really hurt it too much nope and and I guess the only other thing that I would want to mention about it, because I know Karen had a couple of notes that I'm sure she wanted to bring up, but um, there was the only other thing I really wanted to mention about this is just how taken aback I was when it started, because I haven't watched this in years, and it was like, oh shit, this whole thing is done by hand. Mm-hmm. Like, this was not colored in with computers, this was painted, and... All those imperfections, all those shots where, you know, Batman's arm bends a little bit oddly, or 
his face isn't shaped quite right. Like this is all hand drawn, and it was just I was I was so taken aback by how how gorgeous animation it's truly used to a work be. of art. <clears throat> it really is. I really like this art style of like everybody, every everyone in this is like broad shouldered, mm-hmm. you know, big, you know, upside down triangle torso. It's really cool. Um, I don't know why it appeals to me, but it does. One of my favorite things about this art style is it started in the Batman the Animated Series, and it was the first cartoon to actually do color on black. Yeah, which yeah, I remember reading, which about was that. never done before because it they it it took too much to make the colors pop. And Batman the Animated Series, for lack of a better term, was muted. Everything was was darker, but on purpose because it, yeah. it established the tone of the show. They just took that art style and just started putting it on white paper, and you got Superman. Yeah. Which is the perfect dichotomy between the two characters. It it fully explains the difference between, you know, Batman and Superman. Indeed. So, yeah, I remember reading a long, long time ago about that. They'd started, I think they got like three quarters of the way through the pilot and they were like, they were just coloring everything mm-hmm. in. And one of the people working on it was like, let's just use black animation cells because we're using a lot of black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a stroke of genius, and the, it really lends a lot to the show's um, a unique look. Now, the art style did change a bit from oh, from season Batman to season, the animated series. It, from Batman season to season, it changed slightly. From Batman to Superman, it changed, and then from Superman to Justice, to Justice League, League, it, it changed. changed. the The most radical change was definitely from the Fox seasons to when the WB started, because things got more stark, more angular. Mm-hmm. I think it just kind of, but it still all had the same feel. It did. It still, it still felt very cohesive. So, so, uh, uh, Karen, do you have anything else? Nothing really of substance. The Joker's henchmen are terrible shots. Well, that's that was outstanding. Yeah, unfat. Like this was unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, like they couldn't hit the broadside of a friggin' barn. Huh? Uh, Bruce Wayne is six feet in front of them, and yeah. but he's running They're in fi- serpentine. No, 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 Bruce, no. not Batman, oh. Bruce. Oh. Bruce. <laughs> um, when he falls to the the, the scaffold, the they scaffold. shot every bit of the scaffold, <laughs> but not him. <laughs> right. They're unloading clip after clip after clip, and he's not even moving. He's just. Um, I was. Uh, we watched this like we have a DVD of just these three episodes presented as, as a movie, mm-hmm. as a cohesive thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wasn't sure which show this was originally based in. You said it was a uh, su- or it was episodes of Superman. I was a little surprised because to me, Batman comes off as the more likable character in this uh, little three episode set. So. Uh, you know, I was just surprised to find that uh, well, that it was maybe they meant did to that. be a super Superman episode. Maybe they did that because it was in the Superman series that it mm-hmm. had, I don't know, 20 other episodes in the season highlighting Superman. And Batman, <clears throat> I mean, he's the man. He shows up on screen. He takes over. Also, if I remember correctly, this was kind of the introduction to Batman on the WB. Um, I, I know that they had started airing some 
like to an extent some episodes of uh, the older animated series i think like the adventures mm-hmm. of batman and robin Spot. but because I, I was i was really really into this channel when it started when the wb launched like they had such great content on that channel and um i just i remember seeing this as kind of the first time that i had seen batman on that channel and i remember being really taken aback by like oh Batman can punch people now because that was a big thing when it was on Fox. You couldn't actually show his fists connecting with anyone. You never see him actually hit somebody in that show. Really? And then when, yeah, anytime you see like a fist heading towards something, it, the screen flashes white, something you never see Batman actually hit somebody. But then when it switched over to WB, they no longer had that role. Another thing, like that's why it's also so the the fight scenes see so seem so much more vis- visceral in Mask of the Phantasm because they could be because it was theatrical oh. and when it you know finally went to WB and you finally seen Batman like just like hitting dudes and knocking their heads together and whatnot it was such a huge deal um for me to see and uh, I, I if I remember correctly I'd have to look at the dates I could be wrong I could have just missed something but when this happened this was the first introduction to that and i think they started airing new episodes of batman the animated series in this new art style well, after this era. batman the animated animated series ran for 3 or for 4 years from 92 to 95 then it mm-hmm. went to batman and robin yeah the adventures the of Bat- batman and robin the adventures of batman and robin um superman the animated series i want to say started in 96 okay. so that's yeah, I think there was a, a, a sort of a hiatus there. Tie over between the two. I'm not sure. But Batman is you know, this this is great stuff. There's fucking ten fifth I'd say fifteen to twenty seasons of this universe available. And all of it is phenomenal. Yeah. Batman Batman the animated series, Batman and Ro- the adventures of Batman and Robin, Superman, uh Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. Batman Beyond. <laughs> Batman Beyond. I think that's I think that's everything. They they the the three Batman shows, the you know, Batman the animated series, the Adventures of Batman and Robin and the New Adventures of Batman, mm-hmm. uh which was what it was called one with WB. Those are all um now under the uh, Batman the animated series Banner. moniker when you get the like the DVD sets or something like gotcha. that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good to know. All right, if there's nothing else, I think that just about wraps it up. Uh I just want to make a, a little note. Maybe we'll discuss this next episode. But I happened to check out the crossover episode of Supergirl and the Flash. Oh, I really want to watch that. I heard it was very fun. Phenomenal. Fan <laughs> fucking tastic. Okay. Just saying that out loud. Outstanding. More good crossovers that we should have have happened and everybody is concentrating on the one that we shouldn't have had. Anywho. Chris. Got your spiel? Me, I would like to tell you that you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram at Geekade, subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content, and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, or follow the show specifically at Twepcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I am at Geekade Chris, that's Geekade K-R-I-S. Evan is at Geekade underscore Evan. Karen is at Shoot underscore the underscore moon. 
If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out the show notes, and while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com, where we post something new every single day. Back to you, Evan. Thank you, sir. So, quick recap. I say yay to Castle. You guys really should catch up. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, iZombie? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Fully Cooly? Only in a very, very specific set of circumstances. <laughs> Batman, or this is actually Superman and Batman the Animated Series and that, I don't, I, what, we'll call that the, 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 not Tim Burton. Uh, what's the, the guy's name? Bruce, Bruce Tim. Tim. The Bruce Tim universe. Yes, yes, yes. All good all good so uh once again thank you everybody for listening uh check us out on our social medias drop us an email let us know what you think and that about wraps it up so from all of us here at this week's episode i'm evan i'm karen i like to personalize all my stuff good night i'm starting to there there should be an and after the word success i didn't i didn't do well there the game was no. both a, criti- a critical and commercial success, and the first in the series to warrant a direct game sequel. The- okay, you didn't write that. I know, I didn't write that. That's what I'm saying. I didn't write that. Oh, you wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I wrote that. Nope. No. no. Just because Japanese video games are insane, that is Mega Man X, and that is Final Fantasy X. I know. <laughs> yeah. Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> because fuck you, that's why. Now, my question is, did you cut and paste that from another one and put it at the bottom of your page, or did you do that from memory? What, the that, yeah. great stuff? Yeah. Oh, he just did that from memory. No, I write it down every single time. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I don't is that, like, they make my ears so hot. <laughs> that those headphones just <laughs> make me so sweaty and gross, so... Stop. Have you ever considered that you're both just hot guys? Ha 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 ha. No. It's the head Thoughts never cross my Not mind. Not even once. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to help you out here, Appreciate so that. whatever. And this concludes our broadcast day. <laughs>